that that last climb that I did, I knew when I got to the top, I wasn't interested in what was ahead. There was, you know, I right. didn't really care was around the next corner, and that was when I knew this is my stopping. You know, like I could just drag myself on, but where's the fun in that? Mm-hmm. Gotta want it. So yeah, but it was still one of those. It was a tough decision to leave the trail. It's been a lot of days when I got home thinking, maybe I should go back. (laughs) Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced thru-hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a thru-hike. Today's guest is Chardonnay, known off-trail as Elsie Walker. She completed her Triple Crown in 2018, becoming the first African-American woman to do so. In this episode, we talk about how her time on the trail became the entry to adventures of many shapes and sizes. We also delve into the dangers of getting locked into your pre-trail plans to the detriment of the overall experience. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, through spelled T-H-R-U, of course, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Chardonnay. Nice to meet you. Oh, you too. How are you doing today? Pretty good. It was a it was a long day on the mountain, but good. Oh, that's right. You're up in uh, Tahoe City. Tahoe City. Okay. So, are you pretty much skiing every day, or pretty much, <laughs> pretty much? They got a lot of snow up here, so and we just got done with ski week, so we were pretty busy. Were you a big skier beforehand, or did that sort of come about because of this job? I was a bigger skier when I was living in Iowa. I've been skiing since, like, fourth grade. So this was an opportunity for me to get in more than just the once-a-year, twice-a-year trip. Absolutely. You're now you're now dedicated to it daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's great because you get a lot better faster, and there's so many people here to learn from. It's great. What what was your kind of your skill level beforehand? Oh, I thought I was just like, okay, maybe intermediate. Okay. But I, I think after being here and being tested and stuff, I'm, I'm better, um, better than that. <laughs> so You've leveled up. Mm-hmm, certainly. So this is sort of an extension of your ongoing adventure or adventures, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the last three years have kind of been... Uh, in transit sort of and uh skiing was kind of a way for me to take a break from hiking also (laughs) yes is it renewing your interest in continuing to hike or is it just sort of the the avenue to the next thing um i'm not sure if it's renewing my interest i i'm not as into hiking i feel like as a lot of people And it's been nice to have a break from it. Um, I think I'm more wanting to work with public lands or something like that than I am to continue hiking long distances. My body has really taken a beating 
So it'd be nice to take a break and maybe do shorter trips. I'd like to do the Tahoe Rim, okay. um, which would be about a week. But yeah, the five and six month deals have really worn me down. How so? It takes a lot out of you to, especially since I did them um, kind of back to back. Yes. <laughs> it's like you're constantly leaving town and... Yeah, I, I fractured my ankle on the PCT. Okay. Um, and being, I think older has kind of really, you know, I, I wish I had done it when I was younger. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point, my body is just like, okay, we need to slow down, or at least find a nice hobby that's a little less intense. I, I guess this is, this is the moment where I should say congratulations for being a triple crowner. Oh, Thank you. you. You seriously committed to three long distance trails in essentially three, three slash four years. Mm-hmm. Since you came back and, and f- completed, from what I can tell, the AT. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, kind of a surprise to me. I mean, when I did the PCT, I really just thought I was going to do that. And I really did not know it was going to snowball into like three years worth of tra- you know trails. What sent you out to the PCT to begin with or onto the PCT to begin with? And then what do you feel like was the bug or whatever that you caught that propelled you into the rest of them? Actually, I saw the movie The Way about the Camino. Uh And I really thought that would be a fun uh, thing to do. So I really needed to get out and, and, and do some hiking. And when I started researching what trails were in the area that I could hike on. I found out about the PCT through Carrot Quinn's blog. Mm-hmm. And reading her blog was so exciting. It was like, well, you know, I could save up all this money to go to Spain. Or there's this trail <laughs> right here in my backyard. I could do that. So I'm like, yeah, let's do that one instead. The Camino is, a, if I understand it correctly, is a little less hardcore than right through hiking and, and carrying your home on your back for five months though. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I saving it for next summer. I still want to do that one, but yeah, I think it's like the cherry on top for me kind of be able to cruise through that one and, and enjoy a smaller hikes, smaller mile days. Yeah. It'd be definitely a different type of hike. When you finished or when you were doing the PCT, was it sort of that inspiration, that energy or whatever to do the AT and the CDT or did that come after you finished and you got back home again and, and wanted the next adventure, the next moment? Yeah. I learned about the AT on the PCT. And at first I was like, Oh, that sounds terrible. (laughs) But after you get home from the trail, it's, it's like this thing is missing. Mm, Yeah. And you spend all winter thinking about it and all the fun you had and the, the experiences that you had and, you know, you're sitting around trying to figure out what to do next. And I had all these people that I had met from the PCT who were like, oh, we're doing the AT. And I'm like, well, there you go. I can get back out on the trail and have that, you know, again. And so it was like, okay, I'm doing the AT. But it didn't have the same motivation mm-hmm. that I had for the PCT. I think that's part of why I didn't really finish it too. Right. But you seem to have gotten the motivation back when you hit the CDT. Because that's a hardcore trail. (laughs) Yeah, that one I had a true desire to do. After reading other people's blogs and experiences about it, it was a much 
closer experience to the PCT than the AT. Right. And I loved the backcountry experiences that you got on the PCT that you could get on the CDT. So that one I was, yeah, I was super excited to do that one. You were, you were down for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> How was it being out there in, as you say, the backcountry and, and cowboy camping or walking for miles and not seeing people and, or actually maybe days and not seeing people. And was that what you were looking for or was that what you were expecting? That's what I was looking for. That's what I, I kind of loved about the PCT. Like in the AT, they have the shelters Mm -hmm. on the PCT. It was more free. You found your campsites on your own, even though there were some that were designated, you could kind of find your own mileage and your own place to camp. And you were kind of free to kind of roam along the trail. And I loved that part, which was what I loved about the CDT. You had that. It was kind of like a choose your own adventure because there's (laughs) different trails that you could take and different routes that you could take. And it was like, that's freedom on the trail when you can just kind of like go, you know, and you can plot your own route and you can find your own way. And, you know, when you have to kind of bushwhack your way through versus just kind of plodding along on a, you know, defined trail. Right. It's almost like a road. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that was the exciting part when you're like, oh, we could get lost. you know. (laughs) And from the sounds of it, you did a couple of times. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Many, many times. (laughs) Now, were you and the PCT you were navigating by paper map Mm -hmm. on the CDT you were on an app? Yes. Yes. Um, With the snow in Colorado, I was, yeah, I definitely knew we were going to need some sort of app. Even though I really enjoyed the paper maps on the PCT, I like looking at them and I like seeing what's around the trail. I like navigating that way. I think when I did use the app on the CDT, you kind of get used to it mm-hmm. and you depend on it. And yeah, it's not really a, a very safe way to go. Even though I had some paper maps for a while on the CDT, yeah, you get really used to just like looking at that dot on your phone and following that red line and it, it can kind of draw you in. Do tell. Yeah, because you, I mean, it's, terribly helpful when you are on you know a snowy mountain in Colorado and there is no trail to find mm-hmm. but I hated that feeling like I had to be really prepared about my battery because you know no. if something went wrong you know you're out there in the middle of nowhere with nothing if you don't have your maps and you don't know where you are and just it's nice to be able to go along the trail or you know to hike along and not constantly oh let better check my phone Mm-hmm. You know, it's as you know, social media. <laughs> right, right. You're. It's almost like a a, a slot machine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You kind of you keep getting your fix. Yeah. Yep. Let me check. Let me check and see how far. <laughs> let me, oh God, let me check, check where I am. How far have I gone? What's next for me? Where Where am I? Mm-hmm. But you did let go of your paper maps. So at some point, you just what reconciled to it, or because the maps that I had <laughs> were. These huge, like, 11 by 17 printouts, which was great when you're at home planning and you can lay them all out and mark them up and all that. But when you have these 11 by 17 maps and you're standing on top of a mountain in the wind or the rain, 
like pulling out that sheet of paper. It's like, wow, this is not going to work. <laughs> this is not environment friendly. Right. So I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll just save those back up. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I mean, and, and hats off to you t- for doing it on the PCT, because most people, I think, go electronic at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was kind of jealous when I saw because what people had. I mean, you could, Gut Hooks is amazing. And it even had like pictures of the campsites and all these little things. So when I saw it, I was like, wow, that's really cool <laughs> to have. And I even had it on the last part of the AT. But yeah, you can really get sucked into it. How were you checking like water caches and things like that? If you like, specifically on the PCT, if you weren't doing like a gut hooks or or stuff like that, they do have. Well, I, I think they still have them at the time now. But um, water reports on the PCT on the PCTA site or yeah, and you could pick them up time. You could pick them up like it. In different towns, we'd stop at. Oh, they would. You could pick them up at like the library, go there and print them off, (laughs) or you know, take pictures and put them on your phone. Yeah, so that that was the way I was doing it. It seems so old school now. (laughs) Yeah, very old school. It's like you're in 1990. (laughs) I know what (laughs) you were referencing previously, being a little older. I don't know what your age is, but I know how old I will be when I do this. And so my, my question to you is, what recommendations would you have for somebody who is going to be, you know, looking at their 50th birthday that year uh, in 2020? And uh, 2,650 miles is a long ass way. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I think not to get caught up in the, I guess, I don't know how to say young people's game, because mm. <laughs> there's a lot of younger people who are like super fit and they're doing large miles. And so, you know, a lot of people get caught up in that, that they have to do big mile days or they have to do, you know, get to here. I think it's very important if you're older to just kind of do your own thing, you know, mm-hmm. and listen to your body and not get caught up in that hype because <laughs> it'll wear you out. Yeah. Now I, w- I was reading on your your website, the wanderingchardonnay.com. I think it was on the AT specific, particularly, you were talking a lot about trying to keep up with people. So mm-hmm. is this something that you sort of evolved to, or you were trying to find that balance between keeping up with certain people and then hiking your own hike? Trying to find the balance. And also I think because I had did the PCT, I was feeling like I was going to get that same experience on the AT. And on the PCT, I kind of got in this really great bubble of people mm-hmm. that I, you know, you'd see them on the trail every now and then, and maybe you'd camp in the same general area. And I love that feeling of our little group, our little community that moved along together. So when I got to the AT, I was looking for that same thing. And it t- I thought it was harder to find there. So I'd get with a group, but they weren't hiking my way, or, you know, they were more into stopping in town or staying over and it was really hard to like if I found somebody I was like okay I got to keep up with this person mm-hmm. and then something would happen and I'd lose them and then I have to you know oh now I have to find a new group and right. so it's constantly trying to find this this group which in the end I was just trying to recreate that experience from the PCT and I should have just went 
you know, and had the AT for what it was. So that was partly my own. I brought that on myself. <laughs> Did that make your return to the AT better because you could do it the way you probably should have done it to begin with? Yeah. I mean, I, I will admit that there was a point there where I kind of got caught up with staying with some people, but then I also, then it kind of hit me that, you know, I had to hike my own hike and I had to leave them or else I got caught up in that group decisions and how Mm -hmm. far we were going to go. And once I got in my head, you know what, I'm just going to go and and do this my way. And whoever ends up hiking with me, great. Whoever doesn't, it was so much better. (laughs) So much less stressful. Uh Exactly. (laughs) Well, and it sounds like like reading the your journal entries from the different trails, it sounds like even when you were hiking your own hike, the bubble that you were around, you would keep running into the same people, even if you weren't necessarily trying to specifically hike with them. Yeah. And I think that's the great part. It's like everybody kind of hiked their own speed, but it was nice to know that, you know, in five miles, you might see someone that you, you know, you've connected with already. Mm-hmm. It was nice to, you know, like a lot of people at the time were hiking faster than I was when I first started out. But they were also like, when we left in the morning, they're like, hey, we're going to stop here for lunch. And then I could like, Maybe I'd get there and they'd be ready to go. But it was nice to know, hey, everybody's going to this spot for lunch. Everybody's going to this spot for dinner. And it gave me something to shoot for. Even if I didn't make it, it was like, okay, I know they're five miles ahead. Or I could Mm -hmm. get to some people that I knew. And I knew it was nice knowing that there were also people out there who were looking out for me. Yes. There was a couple of times when I was late getting to camp and they're like, hey, <laughs> we're glad you made it. And it was, it's nice to know that people are concerned with where you are. So, yeah, that, that trail group gives you a little bit of comfort. Would you consider yourself to be a solo hiker or a group hiker? I consider myself a solo hiker. I always tell people when you get out there, you're going to meet. For me, I just didn't. I thought it was best when I wasn't attached to a group. I did hike with. A girl from um, Washington, Kelsey, quite a bit on the PCT, the AT, and the CDT. We did most of the CDT together. And that was great because, again, we hiked at different speeds. So we camped together. And I mean, I see her all day um, have that person there at night with you, still do your own thing during the day. Did you ever feel scared or or unsafe out there unsafe no scared sure <laughs> every day <laughs> yeah i mean um there are some sketchy moments i also have a very active imagination so we you know when you're in your tent and it's dark and you hear something it's like your mind just goes mm-hmm. but i think that's part of it getting past that fear is, is a big part of it How long do you think it took you to maybe not necessarily get past it, but be okay with being in it? I think when I was still in Southern California, uh, I was camping mostly by myself. And I remember one night that I had to camp by myself and I thought there were going to be people there and there wasn't. And it was so dark and I kept hearing things, but I remember I was just so tired. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, 
I don't even care. I don't care what's out there. I'm just going to sleep. You know, you wake up the next morning and you realize it was nothing or it was just a chipmunk or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's going to happen is going to happen. You can only do so much. You so. sort of give it up to the universe. Mm-hmm. Things going to work out of the not. So you just go with <laughs> You... Uh- Particularly when you got into the, some of the snow and and things like that, just again reading your your blog or your your posts, you had a couple of scenarios with the snow and or going over passes where it was a little sketchy. Would oh, yeah. you do that again, or would you maybe have waited down lower until the storm had passed? Um, on the PCT, I would do it again. Why? Because. And I think that's why the PCT is my first love because I just didn't know any better. <laughs> uh, okay. So you just kind of went with it and you push through it. On the CDT, I would have waited because that was dangerous. Mm-hmm. I would have, I should have had better equipment. I thought I was thinking more PCT and not Colorado snow. And so there were some sections there where we had to turn back just because we didn't have you know, snowshoes. And so if I, if I had to do that again, I would totally wait. I do highly recommend checking the weather, seeing how much snowpack they've got, because yeah, when you get up there, sometimes it's a little too late to turn back. Yeah. It's so easy to get caught. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get caught up in your head of, I can do this. And you know, <laughs> you put yourself in dangerous situations. So it's, it's, it's I highly recommend, yeah, checking out the weather report and seeing what's what's happened over the winter. The Sierras this year have gotten a lot of snow. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I would recommend everybody going this year to time it. When did you – actually, I have two questions, but when did you start the PCT? April 12th, I think it was. Okay. So, uh, on the earlier side of things – so yeah, I was on the earlier side. I was one of those people who, you know, I had planned it all out. I used the PCT planner. I had the dates all locked in. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be there. I needed to be finished by a certain date. So it was early and I was pushing. And at one point I met a guy and I was like, oh, I've got to go because I've got to get these miles and I've got to get here. And he was like, you know what? You're going to be a lot better when you let that go. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you'll make it, but you need to let that go. And, and he was right. It was like, once I got that, I just let that go and just do what you can do. And don't get caught up in making all your little deadlines that seem reasonable when you're at home and you're warm, comfy home. <laughs> mm-hmm. How did it ultimately work out for you in terms of your end date? Versus where you had originally wanted to or planned to be done. I ended up finishing two weeks early. (laughs) So all that stress and the pushing and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I was like, oh, two weeks early. I could have taken my time. (laughs) But yeah, I I also got lucky that I met some people who hiked very fast. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I I hiked with them for a lot of Oregon. So we covered a lot lot of miles in Oregon pretty fast. Did that wear you out or wear you down? Um, yeah, it did. It was fun initially to, you know, get up really early at like four in the morning and hike early and hike big miles. 
But after a while, yeah, that starts to wear on you. Um, which is why by the time I got to Washington, I was like, okay, I'm slowing down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard Washington you guys- is the most beautiful as well. So just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But it was fun. I think it was fun experience to have mm-hmm. that. You know, I, I, I did a 40-mile day. Holy moly. How long was that? Uh, all day. <laughs> so, like, if you got, you're up at four, so was that, like, 15 hours, 16 hours, 24 hours? No, it was, I think it said, like, four in the morning. We ended up finishing nine or ten at night. But it was also, when I did it, it was, like, I hadn't really planned on doing 40. But that's just the way it worked out. It was like, oh, okay, I'm like 25, but I'm still early, so I keep going. And it's like, oh, 30. Well, I can still get to this other water, so I'll keep going. And before you know it, it's like, well, I'm at 35. If I just keep going, <laughs> I can make it in the dark. I can do it. That seems to be the way it happens a lot of times, where you don't necessarily plan for it. And then it's like, well, I'm feeling good. There's just a little bit more, and then a little bit more. and That's my cutoff. Uh, 40 miles. Okay. Anything more than 40 is not happening. <laughs> I know my body's like, no. Mm-mm. But even at that point, if you were, d- was that in Oregon when you did that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So at that point you were a hiking machine. Yeah. By then, yeah, your legs on, you're feeling good. And, you know, Oregon's a little flatter. So you're like, yes. <laughs> Going back to that second question that I had, you had mentioned that you did a wilderness basic course Mm -hmm. what course was that and do you feel like that helped you on the pct because i don't think you did it for the cdt or the at but certainly for the first one oh it it helped tremendously it's through the sierra club it's a very popular course in um, san diego it was really great because i got to see a lot of different types of equipment they taught us a lot about navigation about weather and it was actually doing that that i was like oh yeah definitely (laughs) want to do the pct because it was like we would go out on these weekend hikes you'd have the group and you have the campfire and so much fun i was like wow if you're on the pct you could do this you know for four months (laughs) and uh, little did i know it was going to be way different (laughs) but yeah it's a really great course you'd actually do a snow camp car camping and yeah you get really a taste of what it's like and I you make some amazing friends that I still am friends with today who actually came out and hiked with me on the AD so it's yeah it's it's an amazing course through um, the Sierra Club. Do you feel like it set you up it 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 gave you that that confidence to step on the trail and say I I got this I can do it? Yeah yeah it it definitely gave me a boost in confidence because I had never backpacked before (laughs) besides. I was gonna say how knowledgeable were you before you stepped (laughs) up? Before that, I mean, I've, I was a long distance bike rider, so I have carried my gear on my bike and camp, mm-hmm. and that sort of camping, car camping, that sort of thing. But I had never been on an actual backpacking trip before I did PCT. <laughs> so the wilderness basic course really helped me like get out there and figure things out. And, and you get to see other equipment and everybody's different types of You know, there's a lot of people there who have also done the PCT, so they can give you tips on gear. It was really a big help. The the gear that you started the PCT with, was that gear that you kind of had already had or or did you, because you said you did a lot of planning. So did you 
you know, buy a specific pack and a specific bag and, you know, all of that? Yeah. I mean, I had read, I did most of my research online from blogs of what I read that everybody was using. It was like, oh, okay, that's what everybody else is using. That's what I'm using. You know, Brooks shoes were really popular then. So that's what I got. ULA circuit was my backpack and it was really popular. still is. And that's How did it work I for got. you? Oh my God. It was amazing. I love that. Backpack. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I recommend getting a good backpack. That's yeah. That's, that's your thing right there. It's part of you. And I love that pack. I used it for all three trails. And then when it tore on the CDT, I bought the exact same one to finish the AT. Oh, really? Okay. So what is it that you love about it? Like, why why did it work so well for you? It was just the right size for me. It's kind of like their mid-weight. Um, it's a ULA circuit. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too big because I didn't want it to be too big. And then I just stuffed it full of stuff. But it wasn't super ultra light or anything like that either. It had these side pockets where I could put all the things I needed, like my phone, my maps, you know, snacks. It had every little spot. I think maybe after using it for so long, it was like I knew exactly where things were. I knew exactly how to reach them. And so, yes, it's hard to switch to another bag when it's like, I know this one works mm-hmm. exactly for me. And I never had the problems that um, other people had with it, like chafing or anything like that. So. Yeah, I, I love that pack. So it was the perfect pack for you. Perfect pack for me. Mm-hmm. What was a day in the life like for you on the trail? Like, what time are you generally getting up? 4 a.m. aside, what, what time are you? <laughs> were you eating before you would start hiking? Like, like, walk me through a day. Oh, wow. Usually up with the sun. 6.30. Tried to be on trail by 7.30. I usually cook, which I probably shouldn't do, but I usually would fix stuff right in my tent mm-hmm. in the morning because I really hate getting out of my sleeping bag. <laughs> On the PCT, I went stoveless. So it was mostly like wake up, have a bar, and then just start packing things up slowly from inside my tent, hit the trail as soon as possible, usually like 730 but if if I'm not on trail by eight o'clock, it seems like you were late. <laughs> it was like a job. It was like a job. Got to get on. Got to get going. And usually, I, I'm not. I had problems eating on trail. Meaning eating while you're walking, or eating in general during the day. Okay. Um, for some reason, I just had no appetite when I was hiking, so I didn't really eat a lot, and that was a problem on the PCT. I lost a lot of weight this year. I actually had to get off trail for a couple of days just to kind of like stop and eat because I was just so weak. Mm-hmm. So yeah, usually during the day I would just like, and I think that's why I ended up getting, you know, a lot of miles because I would just hike. I would, you know, stop for something to drink, but mostly just hike. <laughs> just hike and maybe if I can make myself eat a protein bar, I would do that. But then when I got to camp at night, I would just, eat everything <laughs> <laughs> you were a vacuum cleaner oh yeah uh-huh yeah it was that i was just constantly it was like mashed potatoes and ramen and a lot of candy <laughs> um yeah i figured out then that the best thing for me it wasn't very healthy but i had to have things that i was gonna eat yes like 
Nutella, you know, those sweet sugary things, which, you know, overall weren't that healthy for me, but it was something that I was going to actually eat a lot Mm -hmm. of gummy bears and Snickers and things like that. Was that the adjustment that you made when you went off trail for those few days? Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely like, okay, I'm going to have to stop, you know, trying to have, because I was, um, stoveless, I was eating things like cold ramen or cold oatmeal. And it was like, yeah, it wasn't terribly appetizing. <laughs> so, so, yes. so I was like, yeah, I got to get stuff that I was going to eat and, and enjoy eating. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think about getting a stove at some point on the PCT? Because I believe you used a stove on the AT and the CDT, right? Right. I dreamed about it. <laughs> <laughs> It filled your dreams, huh? Yeah, I, I I end up hiking. The guy that I hiked through Oregon with, he had a stove. And it was amazing because he would make coffee and when we stopped for lunch, make a hot meal. Oh, wow. It was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I should really have a stove. So, yeah, definitely by the time I got to AT, I'm like, I'm totally having a stove so I can have hot coffee in the morning, hot mm-hmm. mashed potatoes instead of cold ones like a little luxury yeah i'm probably different from everybody else in that aspect because i started out i think lighter weight in my pack by not having a stove and not taking mm-hmm. all the and then it was like the more trails i did the heavier my pack got because it's like oh let's take a stove hey let's take a air mattress <laughs> the more trails i did it was like i need more comfort <laughs> you you were less willing to to give up the creature comforts Uh It's like, I'll carry it. (laughs) Uh. What made you decide to go stoveless on the PCT, like your first trail out? Because that is a little unusual. Because I had read about it, read about it on other people's blogs. I I think a lot of things that I did on the PCT was reading other people's blogs. And I was like, oh, those guys did it this way and they finished. So, okay, that's what I'm taking. I'm only taking the one outfit because everybody else, all these people who finished, they only had the one outfit that they wore, you know, they didn't take a stove. They didn't take an air mattress. So that's what I'm doing. And when I read, you know, not a chance and carrot and those guys did 20 miles days, that first stretch of the PCT, that very first day, I was like, that's what I have to do. That's what I have to train for to make 20 miles that first day. And, and, and it was, it was good. So I didn't have to get out there and suffer those first couple of days because I was prepared for it. I feel like there's a butt in there somewhere. But you also have to, you know, it's a popular saying, hike your own hike. And I, I yeah, you have to kind of find your own uh, way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. And it got me through and I finished. But yeah, there's some things that I was like, God, that would have been a lot better if I had did it this way. <laughs> what, what would you have changed? I definitely would have had a stove. I definitely would have put more attention towards shoes. Did you have a lot of problems with your feet? A lot of problems with my feet. Yeah, because I tried to do the trail runners. I did the trail runners, and that was great until I got to the Sierras. <laughs> Disintegrated, and so I ended up buying like shoes in town that were New Balance, and they totally fell apart, and those were terrible for my feet, and which was probably partly why I fractured my ankle. What did you do to fracture your ankle? We were 
crossing a stream, which I'm not good at. It's like my biggest fear, crossing stream. And as everybody was going across the stream, like the guys went through first and it was like up to their thighs. <laughs> so I was already just like panicking, panicking. And um, as they got on the other side, they're like yelling back to us all the things, you know, and it runs through your head. Make sure you unlatch your, your hip belt. And make sure you stand this way and make sure you do this. And all those things were running through my head that when I got into the water, it was really deep. I was so scared and panicky. I turned around and came back. And I was like, I knew there was a couple that had went upstream to cross on a log. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go down there <laughs> and cross on the log. And so I was hurrying because I didn't want to get left behind. And when I got to the log, I stepped up on it with those wet shoes, mm. and the wet log. And with this, I heard it snap. <laughs> and I stepped up there and I fell right off. And yeah, that was, I thought at the time it was a sprain. So I ended up taking like a couple days off. Just a and couple. then I got back on the trail. <laughs> I wrapped it up and got back on the trail. How far out were you when you did that? Like how many days did you have to hike to get into town? <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Because <laughs> we were like, but after I limped to uh, the camp that night, it was still like 33 miles from the nearest road. Oh, wow. Or I could have gone back, which was, again, like 30 some miles. I really didn't have any choice but to hike. And a lot of people were like, we can wait for you. But I didn't want I didn't want that on my you know, shoulders. So I was like, no, go ahead. I'm like, I'm going to do like 11 miles, three days. I got enough food to do three days and I'll, I'll make it to the road. And then I got lost first day. I took one wrong turn. I oh. like miles in the wrong direction. I'm like, no. But yeah, but I, I slowly limped out of there and made it to a road. What what did you have with you to brace your your ankle? Actually, there was a guy that we were hiking with who was a doctor, and he taped it up. Oh wow! I was in okay. camp that night. Yes, yes, he can't. He taped it up with duct tape. Gotta love duct tape. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had all this duct tape on my ankle the whole time, and then as I was limping along, I would take snow and stick it in my sock. Mm -hmm. A little icing job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And bear canisters are great if you have to elevate your foot. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> they have multi-uses. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was, it was, I mean, it was terrible, but also it's one of those things that I draw on daily when I'm like, I did that. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, I can do anything. <laughs> You're a freaking badass. Just, oh, well. <laughs> just accept it. <laughs> Or just crazy. We're not sure yet. <laughs> Sometimes it's not much different. But <laughs> now you went, You said you got into town and you spent a couple of days in there. Did you get any sort of brace or, or anything when you were in town? And I mean, because you fractured it. Mm -hmm. I got one of those ace bandages from another hiker. And that's what I wrapped it in. And that's all I used the rest of the time. I was a little afraid to go to the doctor. Right. I, also, I was like, oh, they're going to tell me I need to take, you know, weeks off. And I'm like, eh, mm -hmm. <laughs> those will be fine. <laughs> How long did it affect your, your walking? Quite a while. Because the way I was limping, when you limp like that, you know, you, you tweak other stuff in your body. Yep. 
So then, yeah, so then the other leg had a problem and it was just like, okay. Yeah, so I ended up having to slow miles through that last part of the Sierras. Do you have any residual problems with it? I did for a while in the AT. I never got it fixed. When I did go see the doctor, they said that they could re, you know, break it and reset it and everything. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, so it's going to be better. <laughs> and they're like, well, we can't guarantee it'll be better. So I'm like, okay, then never mind. I still have trail spikes. <laughs> we'll yeah. fix it later. And so it's still not fixed. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, but it's, you know, I did a lot of Googling of physical therapy, strengthening your ankles. And I do those exercises and so far so good. Did you have any is- a lot of issues with like blisters or anything like that? No. Ooh, knock on wood. I know. I did not. I mean, I had the typical Brooks shoes when I started out, but I also like, I made sure I, I hiked a lot before I left. So I broke in my shoes. So I'm not sure why I didn't have the same issues with blisters that other people did. It was because I just hiked like crazy before I left. Yeah, but I've never had blisters until the AT actually. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, I think it was partly your feet are so wet all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One one more thing not to like about the AT. I know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my God. So I, I guess going back to the original question, which was a day in the life. Oh yeah. So sorry, we, we got diverted, sidetracked. So you would basically just spend your day hiking and then you would camp at night, mostly tent or cowboy, cowboy and tent. I'm really a tent person because as much as I like nature, I like something in between me and nature. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just easier for me. I hiked with a couple of people who talked me into cowboy camping a couple of times. But yeah, I sleep much better in a tent. Mm -hmm. No mice, no insects. Oh, yeah. The bugs and yeah. And you never know. I mean, a couple of times, like, I'm going to cowboy camp, and what happens? It starts to drizzle in the middle of the night. So now you're like, ah! <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've heard that that's, not an, that's a fairly common occurrence on the AT. Oh, yeah. I was definitely having a tent on the AT. There's a lot of bugs, mm-hmm. snakes, and things. <laughs> like, yeah, I want a zipper. But um, actually, the tent that I used on the AT, especially the, the last when I went back to finish, I had used it on the CDT, so it was really on its last leg. Uh-huh. And by the time I got to the end of the AT, the zippers weren't working. <laughs> and so I like glued the bottom of it together and then oh, wow. sewed it together. And so when I put up the tent, you'd have like this little hole that I had to like crawl in <laughs> to get in there. <laughs> so much for a zipper between you and the bugs. Yeah, I'm like, well, you know. <laughs> I was like, I'm not buying a new tan. I'm finishing with this one. <laughs> and you were so close. I know. I'm like, nope, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to make it work. If I have to crawl in this hole for the next 300 miles. That's what I'm going to do. Yep. How were the mosquitoes out there? Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. And And sometimes it wasn't the mosquitoes. It was those little tiny bugs that like to fly, you know, like right here. Yeah, they're yeah, and they're like, oh, they're like right in your ears. Ugh. I mean, 
the AT was the only place I ever used my um, bug net. Oh, really? Usually I use it to carry, you know, extra stuff in, use it as my pillow. But yeah. Oh, yeah, those bugs were intense. Yeah. Everybody keeps telling me that the way to avoid mosquitoes during the day is to basically just walk fast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I can hear it in your voice. (laughs) Yeah, try to outrun them. Right, right. (laughs) And yeah, outrunning them is, is not always... Yeah, that doesn't always work. I mean, there was a couple of times on the CDT where they were so bad. We would set up our tents just to have lunch in the middle of the day. Oh, wow. You can't eat when they're just attacking. I was like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to stop, set up our tents, have a nice lunch, and then quickly pack it all up and start going again. How long did it take you to set up your tent? Oh, I could set my tent up in record time on the CDT and the AT because I used a freestanding tent. Uh, REI Passage 1. On the PCT, it took me a while to get that dialed in because I used one with the, the guidelines, which I'm not really good at. And I also had um, the, instead of having tent poles, I used my trekking poles for that tent. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, I was not, that was not my, my tent. <laughs> <laughs> not good at guidelines. No, no. And then, of course, you know, 200 miles before the end, I, I broke my check poles. So then it's like, now what's going to hold my tent up? But luckily, trail angels to the rescue. They got me new trekking poles. So, so you were willing to to do the extra weight that is the freestanding tent with with all of uh-huh. that? Oh, after trying. Yeah, because yeah, with the guidelines and stuff, you, you also have to have like, if you're going to be on rocks or something like that, it, it gets tricky. So it's like with a freestanding tent, I can whip that thing up and then if I have to move it, I just pick it up and go. Yeah. That's, that's my type of tent. Yeah. Well, I saw a picture on your website of you with your tent inside a shelter on the AT. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've heard about them. Yeah. On the AT. Oh yeah. I didn't like that at all. So I would, yeah, if there was like nobody else staying at the shelter or like one other person, I'd ask them and then I'd be like, yeah, is it okay if I put my tent up in here? Because I'm like, yeah, I'm totally putting my tent up. <laughs> you, you can't, in those shelters, it's like, oh, I don't know, something about the idea that mice are running around there, and you're trying to sleep or it was like, no, I need a separation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the wilderness all day. I need a little separation when I sleep. I need a minute. <laughs> oh, how often were you actually in a shelter that was so underpopulated? Not enough. <laughs> yeah, I was not a fan of the shelters. Yeah, and so, so yeah, a couple of times I would just try to wait it out and hopefully I, you know, the shelter would fill up and then I could camp outside the shelter. As I got further north on that last section, there was a lot of times when I was by myself because I was ahead of the the bubble, mm-hmm. which was turned out to be nice because you can have the whole shelter to yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's basically your own little room. Mm-hmm. Yep. With my tent inside. Now, when you went back, so 
when you first did the AT in 2016, you got how many miles in? I got to Massachusetts. Okay. So when you came back to the trail in 2018, did you start at the same point that you left off or did you overlap or? Uh, redo. I came back to the same town that I left in. And then I don't, since I hadn't hiked in a while, I was so excited to get back out there. I redid that climb. <laughs> um, I did a climb right before I quit climbing to the top of the mountain. And I was like, okay, I'm done. And I did that climb again. And I was like, why did I do that again? <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember how much fun it was the first time? I was like, oh, this will be fine. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah. So I, I redid that whole climb. Yeah, it was, it was, but it was good. I mean, it was, it worked out that way. Just that was a perfect place to get in and out of easy flight in. And I knew the area, so it worked out. And so you, you basically just did at that point, the remainder of the miles. Right. You to do to get to Katahdin. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Nice. And, it, and it was beautiful. I know a lot of people when I, I quit the AT, they're like, well, you quit before the best part. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and and it was true. Wow, when you get up there and into the whites, and, oh, it's so beautiful up there in New Hampshire, Vermont. Yeah, and I, I love that part when you start to get above the tree line. It was that was nice. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you were pretty fresh. Yeah, you, yeah, you're not like you have four or five months in. Um, so I was feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> You could walk those miles and be like, I don't know what everybody's problem is. This is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So you get to the whites and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> the winds. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What was your f- favorite time or favorite day on, on trail, on any of the trails? Uh, hmm. I would say, gosh, it's hard to have a favorite day, but on the CDT, I think my favorite time was when you get up to Montana and okay. um, National Park. We were feeling so great by then, knowing that we were going to finish. And it's so beautiful. That part was just amazing. And I would go back and do that all over again. And I, I would really like to go back and do it over again because it was on fire and so smoky. But yeah, it's it's amazing and breathtaking it's like around every turn up there you're like ah i'm I'm here i am here (laughs) so i I love that gosh on the pct i really love the sierras really yeah again it was one of those i love those spots that you hike to and you can only hike to. you know right it's amazing and you're always like get up there i'm always I can't believe more people are coming to see this. <laughs> it's incredible. But if more people came to see it, then it wouldn't be quite so. That's very private. true. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. That's, that's a tricky one right there. But yeah, those, those, those places I, I love. And I love that feeling of being above the tree line. So yeah, those would probably be my favorite sections. What was your toughest experience or day or moment? Sprained, uh, fractured ankle aside, of course. <laughs> uh, I would say on the AT, it was just, it was 
the weather was so intense on the AT. It wasn't what I expected. I started around April on that trail. And in my mind, I was like, it's like spring. <laughs> but it was still like so cold. And there were days when it was like so cold that you couldn't even stop eat. Because as soon as you stop hiking, you're like shivering. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just, I, I, there was days when I was like, don't even want to get out of my tent. <laughs> I know it's going to be wet. I know it's going to be cold. Everything's cold and wet. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> but you, you get up and you do it anyway until, yep. until you don't want it anymore. Well, I guess that's the thing is you can always stop. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But but I know that that's a, that's a hard decision to make because there's a lot of peer pressure around doing that too. It is after you've, you know, planned and especially like if you're, you're keeping a blog or you tell your family and your friends, mm-hmm. everybody's following. It's a hard decision to make. But like for me on the AT, I didn't, that, that last climb that I did, I knew when I got to the top, I wasn't interested in what was ahead. There was, you know, I right. didn't really care. It was around the next corner. And that was when I knew this is my stopping no, like I could just drag myself on, but where's the fun in that? Mm-hmm. Gotta want it. And so, yeah, but it was still one of those, it was a tough decision to leave the trail. It's been a lot of days when I got home thinking, maybe I should go back. <laughs> right. So, yeah. That's a hard one. How long before you actually stopped, had you been thinking about it? <laughs> maybe like a week. Okay. Yeah, it's just, yeah, because I remember I called my friend. <laughs> I'm real tired. I'm not sure if I really want to. He's like, well, you should get some rest. So I went to town and got a hotel room and I rested and went back out there again. And then, you know, when you get that feeling where you're leaving town, you're like, oh, no, I have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> That's when, yeah. Oh, yeah, might want to do some soul searching. It's sort of like leaving your house to go to work in the morning and you're like, oh my God, yeah. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not doing this for, to torture myself. Yeah. You know, not fun. I should just go home. True. And you probably had coming back to the trail the way that you did, your experience of the trail was probably transformed by that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it. Yeah. You see it in a different light when you come back at Especially, I think because it wasn't, yeah, it was it was wasn't really a through hike at that point. So, yeah, it, it took on a whole different feel mm-hmm. to be back on the AT when I came back. Did you savor it more? Yeah, I did, and I also because I knew that finishing the AT was finishing my triple crown. It meant more, you know. Yeah, it, it, it was a, it, it helped. It was a drive knowing that I was going to, to finish the triple crown. So it's like, yeah, I, I pushed a little harder and, and also people who saw my other patches, people cheered me on and, and <laughs> that was, that was great. It was a good feeling. Did you do a, a happy dance on Katahdin? No. <laughs> <laughs> get up there take the photo and get down. Oh, it was, um. Yeah, I did not 
understand how Katahdin was set up. <laughs> what do you mean? It's relatively a short hike to the top of Katahdin after you camp, you know, down the campground. And in my head, I think it's like, I can't even think, I think it's like maybe five or six miles or something. And so in my head, I was like, oh, you know, it's going to be great. Just hike to the top of this mountain, like five or six miles. Oh, the first mile's great. And then <laughs> crazy. It just gets crazy. There's boulders and all this stuff. And I was, really? They're really going to make me work hard for this last <laughs> little bit. If you want the picture, you got to work for it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man. I Yeah. So when I got to the top, I was like, shoo, just take my picture and let me go. <laughs> I knew I still had to hike down. Just want to get down now. I was, I was so exhausted. I, you know, I had my, my moment with my picture and, and a few tears on the on the on the way back, but then even on the way down, it's like, it's still kind of intense height coming back down. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not over. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not like going into Manning and uh, yeah. Manning State Park and, and then you're, you're sort of, you're there. Cut off. Yeah. Exactly. Breeze right into this. No. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're going to work for this. Oh my. So you, in doing that, in, in finishing your your Triple Crown, you have a distinct honor. What is that? The first African-American woman to complete the three long trails. Wow. I mean, technically, there's nobody tracking it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure there's not another one because I think she would have spoke up by now. Probably. Probably. You know? And that is amazing, but it's also something that I, I, I don't know. It's uh, It could be a burden <laughs> in a way. Yeah. The weight of uh, I'm not really that. I guess it was something that I wasn't shooting for. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, oh, wow. <laughs> now people want your opinion on stuff. It's like, uh, I'm really not that person to give a lot of advice. <laughs> You know, so it's kind of like, oh, yeah, the reluctant uh, honor, I guess. How diverse did you find the trails? Not very. They're not very diverse, but I I think that's just the nature of thru-hiking. How so? Well, I think a lot of people say they want to increase diversity on the trails, but for that to happen, people have to go. And I think the reason people don't go is because they choose not to. People do what they want to do. so. It's just something that people don't do. I don't think that it's a lack of skill, mm-hmm. even information, because it, all the information, <laughs> you know, you know yeah. um, if you were interested, you could find out. You totally could. I mean, it's, it's out there. There's a lot out there that you could do. So, yeah, it's, it's not a very diverse activity. Mm-hmm. But that's been my life. Um, most of the activities I do are not that diverse. I think I'm the only black female on the mountain here. I'm <laughs> probably the only black female for miles around up here. <laughs> oh, you, you have the blessing and the curse of representing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just, it's, I'm not one of those people who look for people who look like me before I do something. I just do it. Which is a blessing. It is. I mean, and it's amazing. I think the cool part about, the cool part about the trail is, different people Mm -hmm. 
that people were different from me. The girl that I hiked with, Kelsey, we hiked a lot of miles together and we are so different. She's like half my age. She's from the Pacific Northwest. I'm not. And we had a lot of intense discussions sometimes when we were hiking about, you know, politics and things. But we always just agreed to disagree. And it was a great exchange between the two of us, you know, not to argue or decide that I'm right and you're wrong, but it was nice to hear a different opinion. You know, I might not be convinced of whatever it is that she believes in, but it's, it's nice to know what other people are thinking, you know, yeah. and maybe you learn something when you surround yourself with people who are different. Oh, definitely. You expand your horizons is a is the cliche way of saying it, but you have more information on which to make decisions from. Yeah. Yeah. And you can always pick up something from somebody. I mean, um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I think that's, to me, that's an amazing part of the trail. You meet so many people from so many different walks of life and you get to know them so well. <laughs> These are people that you may have never met back home because you're, you're oh, absolutely. across. So it's like, that's, that's amazing to me. I can hang out people like me all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're also, I mean, you're on trail. You're, I mean, if you are literally hiking with somebody, even for just a day, you're hiking for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you, you don't have to be talking for the whole time, but. <laughs> yeah. You cover a lot of, a lot of bases. I remember the guy I hiked with said that. He's like, it's like, I think I know everything about you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, probably. I think I've told you everything from like birth till now. <laughs> We've covered it, so it's time to move on to somebody else. <laughs> Did you find that the BS was kind of removed? Like people weren't so much so many times, so often I think in we'll call it the real world, that that there's this veneer of of protection, but people are creating this persona because of whatever reason. And I would I would expect, and from what I'm hearing from people on the from the trail, that basically gets removed pretty quickly. Yeah, because you it you take the mask off when you're mm-hmm. out. I mean, one of the things <laughs> I loved about the trail is like when you're out there. I wasn't wearing any makeup, and you're dirty, and you're wearing the same outfit, so you don't have that. Hey, here's my cool look, or here's my cool car, or to speak for me, you have to speak. It's you at your basic, at, mm-hmm. at, at your base level. So, yeah, you just kind of dive right in with people because you're not trying to get through all the, you know, the curtain and the mask and all the things that you hide behind in regular life. Yeah. You're all out there for a common goal. Yeah. And I was like, I've never felt so me or even pretty. <laughs> <laughs> It's weird, but it's true. It's like, wow, when you're on trail, you're like, I don't have any makeup on. But yeah, see, I feel good. I, yeah, I'm looking good. <laughs> <laughs> I might be dirty, but yeah, right. <laughs> I am strong and powerful today. Mm-hmm. That was one of my things when I got back from the trail. I was like, oh, people are like, you want to go do this? It's so nice on trail. You don't have to think about those types of things. Mm-hmm. You've got one outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is simplified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think that's why a lot of people want other people to go after you've done a long trail. It's like, it's 
amazing experience to be removed from all the daily stuff <laughs> that we mm -hmm. fill our lives with. Yeah, it changes the way you see the world. Who would you say is Chardonnay on the trail? Uh, Chardonnay on the trail is strong. It's weird because, um, like, I had the name Chardonnay before I hit the trail. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I had my trail name before I started. Um, and I think I was building up to being the Chardonnay I was on the trail. Stronger, more self-assured, more confident, more accepting of who I was or who I am without all the, the stuff that I thought I needed to show people. And now I feel like, like I still don't wear a lot of makeup now that I've gotten it. <laughs> this is it. This is me. You can take it or leave it. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah, I love that, 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 that clean, this is who I am feeling that I, I got from being out there. Would, would, you, would you say that's the biggest takeaway or reintegration of Chardonnay into Elsie, into real, the real world? Yeah. I think that it also gave me a, a view of a different way to live. I mean, since, since the trail was like, oh, I, I, could, I could do something different. I don't have to go back and get a regular job. You know, there's other things I can do. There's other ways I can make a living. There's other ways I can travel. I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, you do one trail and then you do the next trail and you do the next trail and yep. the next trail. And um, I didn't really want to get caught up in that. I was like, oh, I can find that new next adventure of something different. I have the confidence to go and do that. I, I got that from the trail that I, yeah, I can go do that. <laughs> it's different and out there, but sure, why not? Try it. You might like it. You never know. <laughs> when you came back from, from each of the trails, or I guess maybe even more particularly the final trail when you would actually triple crown, and so there wasn't another trail to plan for, was there any level of, you know, depression or like, what, what do I do now? Or I don't think there was depression. I've kind of always been like a mover from this place to that place. It was more of a, uh, yeah, it was definitely a, what do, what do I do next? And yeah, my initial thought was to, oh, plan the next trail. But I didn't want it to be that I'm doing that trail because it's the next one on the list. Right. I wanted to be because I wanted to do it. You learned that lesson. Learned that lesson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I want it to be something that I really want to do. I think I forgot the question. <laughs> no, the, the question was, you know, about depression or, or that kind of thing. Like after a big, whether it's hiking, a, you know, doing a through hike or doing the triple crown or doing a, a, you know, an Ironman triathlon or a marathon, like you've been planning for so long and then you focus so much on this. And then when it's done, you know, there, a lot of times there's a level of depression or, or feeling of loss because you don't uh -huh. have whatever's next. Yeah. I think it wasn't depression for me. It was just like, okay. Now I just define that next adventure, mm -hmm. whatever that is. And I set out to find that. I knew that I couldn't just go back to my old life and a desk job that wasn't fulfilling me anymore. Mm -hmm. So, and just like with the PCT, I just was like, well, what is it that I, I've wanted to do? Or I went on the internet and started looking around and like, hey, I've always wanted to be 
a lift operator at a ski resort. Well, why not now? <laughs> <laughs> no Makes time like the present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. So now it's just like, for me, it's always finding that next goal, that next adventure. And hopefully it's something new and different because I'm, I'm I am getting older and there's a lot of things I haven't done yet. All of a sudden I'm like, Oh, there's a lot of things I could do. Did you find your bucket list changing? Um, no, I think because I don't think I've ever had a bucket list. Ah, okay. Yeah. I just kind of stumble into things. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that's different. And nobody I know has done that. Might as well go try that out. Yeah. So, so it's, it hasn't really changed. I mean, okay. like I said, I'll be 50 next year and my, you know, yay us. <laughs> I still want to do the Camino. So I'm like, that's it. That's my, my adventure that I'm planning for next year. I don't know what I'm gonna do between now and then, but I'm sure something will come along. Things kind of work mm-hmm. out that way. <laughs> yeah. If you're, if you're looking for it, if you're open to it, something uh-huh. will, will come. Oh yeah. Yeah. You had, you had in your, in your blog, you had said, and I've just really gotten the first four words that you started this with, but they were so profound that I, I wanted to make sure that I asked you about them. And and the words were, you pack your fears. Oh yeah. (laughs) You definitely do. Cold for me (laughs) was a thing on the trail. And I know a lot of people made fun of me on the PCT because I carried winter gear pretty much from Mexico to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't know. I might need these gloves or these, you know, like you never Looks know. like you kind of did. I'm like, I'm carrying this anyway. I don't care. Yeah, you, you do. Some of them get heavy and you have to, you know, reassess. We can't all be ultra light, but yeah, sometimes you need to go through your pack and reassess your fears. And some of them, you just have to face it and, and and take them out of the bag. Which ones did you face? I think belonging was one. I think for a while there on the trail, I wanted to be with, you know, that, that group. Mm-hmm. And eventually I realized that, you know, that's tiring. Trying to keep up <laughs> with the crew. It's like yeah. you just gotta let that let that go and be your own your own group. And that that's that's to help, you know, having let that go is amazing feeling, especially now. I mean a lot of people are like, Oh, you moved there and you didn't know anybody? I'm like, Yeah, because now I don't feel like I need to be with a crew, you know, or with a group mm-hmm. or with a pack of friends all the time. I, I'm comfortable with me. Yeah. You'll find a new crew. Yeah. Yeah. A girl asked me that on the AT when I was by myself. She's like, do you hike by yourself? She's like, don't you get lonely? No, actually, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love me and I agree with me and I have great conversations with myself. I mm-hmm. can entertain myself. So no, not at all. <laughs> That's a great feeling to be like, I'm okay by myself, you know, I, I, I guess I feel that way. So sort of about road trips as well. You know, I know that I'm in a good headspace when I can just 
drive with the music off and just me in the road for hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you get that, it's like that comfortable silence that you get with a friend. But it's mm-hmm. nice to have it with yourself. Okay. Now, I'm good. <laughs> yep. We're good. We're healthy. We're good. Yep. Yep. We got this. To get a little bit away from from this deep stuff, you had you had made mention again in your blog. I, I feel like I've researched your life here, but anyway. <laughs> you had made mention of the ticks on the CDT. Mm-hmm. Oh. You you're the first person that I've heard like mention how bad they are. <laughs> oh yeah. Was that uh, an unusual thing for the for your year or th- just nobody thought to mention it at this point? I don't know who was super bad that year, but it was for me, it was the first time that I ever experienced dealing with ticks. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you should check. And when I'm always like, I've never had a problem. And then let's see, to, one night I got in my tent and there was one on my leggings in my tent and about freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I had never even actually seen one, you know like that so yeah during through the basin in in wyoming there were a lot <laughs> and yeah it kind of freaked me out but i'm sure there are sections on the at where that's probably a concern too but that was the first time for me and then i was wearing long pants <laughs> i was gonna say did it change how you dressed oh yeah all of a sudden it's like i don't even care if it's hot putting these pants on because <laughs> we're walking through all this long grass and oh yeah yeah like i i'll i'll put pants on did what you were wearing change i mean obviously it changed probably between the different trails but did it change when you went like on the pct you went from desert to the mountains into the high desert like did you kind of change through that or did you find that you were basically carrying the one outfit and you just added a few things here and there or subtracted. Yeah, because I don't like cold, and I kind of have the same outfit on all three trails. <laughs> it's just terrible. I'm surprised it lasted that long. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I I had a skirt, leggings, long leggings, short leggings, a long sleeve top, and a short sleeve top that went over that. And basically, that was my outfit. If it was really hot, I had the long sleeve on and the shirt. Or if it was really cold, I'd do that. If not, I'd just have the short sleeves on. But mm-hmm. yeah, and I kind of wore that outfit all three trails. By the end of the AT, I wore this Columbia short sleeve shirt. It had holes in the back. <laughs> but it, by that point, I was like, it's going to the end. Uh-huh. One way or the other. That was your ride or die shirt. Oh, yeah. It was going no matter what. The skirt probably would have, but I kind of lost that right before I did the CDT, so I had to get a new skirt. And I don't really do, like, name brand gear. All my stuff mostly came from, like, thrift store. The skirt came from the thrift store. They weren't Under Armour leggings. Special material. Yeah, it was, like, just regular leggings. (laughs) You know, just regular Lycra shorts, and it worked. Did you have a puffy jacket out there while you were? I did. Again, it wasn't like like a mountain hardware or anything. I actually got it at um, Burlington Coat Factory. Like 60 bucks. 
Um, <laughs> steel. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this works. And initially, when I first bought it, I was like, this one will work for now. Now upgrade later, and and it worked. I mean, it kept me warm. Nice big collar on it, and love that jacket. When I did uh, the last portion of the AT, a friend loaned me a, a really nice jacket that I wore, and it was awesome because it packed down a lot smaller than the other one. <laughs> so that was great. But then I was like, you know, they they both did the same thing. Yeah. What was your base weight? <laughs> um, that's a good <laughs> question. <laughs> That's a very good question. Gosh, I think like it was pretty low on the PCD. I think started like 18 pounds. I'm not really. (laughs) It wasn't how you were gauging things. I'm not a gear hound. Um, (laughs) I I recommend spending really good money on your big three. That's where your money should go. After that. And and your big three were basically the ULA circuit, mm-hmm. the, um, you had a sleeping bag. Yeah, I had a big Agnes sleeping bag. And, 20 degree, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, hell yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and then that. And then your tent. I guess, yeah. I started out with like a, like a six moon tent, which is great if you want to go lightweight. But then I switched over to that REI tested one tent. Yeah, and I, I, it's funny too because, like, on my blog, I think I did like a gear list. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, yeah, at the at the end of your CDT blog, there's a a space where we you can click, and it gets your kind of your review of your of your gear. Yeah, and I kind of moved from like originally I started out like okay, I'm gonna be like everybody else and put in the ounces and all this stuff. Do the minutia of it all. I was like, oh, this is like, <laughs> I don't want to do this spreadsheets and stuff. So then it was, never mind that. I'm just going to write on here what I liked, mm-hmm. what I didn't like. And that's it. That, yeah, that was just too much for me. I'm not that big into gear. Yeah. No. As but, you say, it's the big three. Yeah. And in the end, what worked for one person may not work for the next. So it's just like a, a recommendation Absolutely. and it's not necessary to get caught up in, I don't think, all the, you know, this weight and that weight and shaving this off and cutting that off. It's like, hey, if you want to carry it, carry it. You know? Yeah. It's sort of like pack your fears. Mm-hmm. You're ready to let go. <laughs> you let go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eventually you will. When you packed all that stuff in and you and you put it into your beautiful ULA circuit and you put it on your back and then you put your food on top of that and and your water did you feel like you were sort of packing your house up onto your back and and moving it <laughs> yeah <laughs> every day <laughs> pack everything up carry it 25 miles and then unpack it all and then do it again and so, yeah, it, it's your stuff, <laughs> you know, and, and it becomes really important to you, those few things that are in your, your, your backpack. Uh, and like I was saying with the backpack, you know exactly where everything goes and exactly where it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, all those things are, yeah, they, they become, I, I, even when I got back, I 
there's so many things I was like, I should probably throw this out. And I was like, but I can't let that go. <laughs> I carried it all this way. And heck, when I got back home, it was hard to not, it was hard to leave the house without the backpack. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, for me it was because it was like, I knew where everything was in my backpack, you know. And you get home, it's like, oh, you go to reach for your phone. and It's not in that hip pocket. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, when you know everything you, you need is in that backpack. And you know exactly where in that backpack it is. Exactly where. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I, yeah. So when you leave home without it, it's like, oh, something's missing. What's missing? What's missing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what am I forgetting? My yeah. home. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. I'm I'm editing an ep- the episode that goes up next week, and one of the things that he says is that you get to a point where you know you know exactly as you say where everything goes in your pack, and there's a certain order to how you pack it. There's a certain order how you unpack it. There's a certain order how you you know take things out, your food or your sleeping bag or your this or your that, and and it's a routine, and you have that routine down so well by the time you're you know. Hmm. Oh yeah. And, and yeah, I think that's why you, at least for me, it was, yeah, once I got back, it was like, I, it's so hard to not want to carry my backpack. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, oh yeah, you know, you get somewhere and you want something. It's like, if I had my backpack, I know I'd have that thing. Now I've got to search for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It becomes, and, and. Also, when I got back, I was like, you want to get rid of a lot of things because I realized that I carried that backpack and I was fine for five months. And I come back home and I have like three suitcases full of clothes <laughs> that yeah. I, I haven't worn in a year. And it's like, I, yeah, time to, to let go of some things. Did you downsize? Oh, yeah. I got rid of a lot of things. Less is more. There's a reason people say that? Oh man, it, it makes your life a lot easier when you don't have to choose between five pairs of jeans, <laughs> you, know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you, you really don't need all that stuff, all the little knickknacks and things that we fill our lives with. When you let those things go, you can move more freely, I think, through life. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're also able to follow the whims of adventure more easily too. Exactly. Exactly. I was telling somebody that the other day, I was like, ah, I remember back in college when everything I owned just fit in my car. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's like, that was the good old days. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to put it all in the car and go like, yeah, that's kind of where I'm trying to get back to now. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. We aspire to the youthful. Oh yeah. Isn't that the way it is? (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. And I find that time is flying so much faster now that it's Oh crazy. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. With age hopefully comes some wisdom. Yep. Definitely. If if nothing else, appreciate every moment. Yes. Yeah, because they, they become <laughs> it's so funny that I'm older now and I say these things I'm like, oh <laughs> but yeah, those moments become a lot more precious and the experiences become a lot more important um, that you fill your life with all of a sudden as, as the time starts winding down. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. 
I, I know I've, I've found for myself in the last couple years that it's more important to me to do something and be working with people that I enjoy being with and being around and working hard with than making, you know, more money doing something with people that I don't like. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I could certainly make more money if I, and my mom would be happy if I use my, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, but I'm so much happier now. <laughs> yep. And I have been in a long time working a job that makes me happy. It's it, And it's nice to go to work and work with people who are happy to be there too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Makes all the difference in the day. Hell yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hell yes. Yeah. It's like that on the trail. It's like, it's very important who you hike with. And if someone is not... If you're not clicking with them or it's, it, you know, they're making you uncomfortable or whatever it is, just like in life, you need to move on, mm-hmm. you know, don't try to fix them or change them or any of those things. Move on. Just hike on. <laughs> you get, Yeah. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah. You don't have to fix it. Just move on to the next and you'll find somebody who, who a couple miles away that you click with. You just got to mm-hmm. find them. Just like in life, you got to go out and find those experiences that make you happy. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like you literally just answered what would have been my next question, which is, is there anything that we haven't talked about that we should have? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there we go. <laughs> so I guess I'll, I'll add on to that. Is there anything else that oh. uh, uh, you feel like we haven't talked about or, or discussed that, that should be? Well, you know, um, one of the things that I'm doing now, when I was uh, at the gathering last fall, I ran for the um, American Long Distance Hiking Association board. Mm-hmm. And, and won uh, it, as I understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. So it was a great time. I got my triple crown and won, and, and it's been a good experience. For someone like me transitioning from long distance hiking into I'm not sure what type of hiking, it's been great. We recently had a ruck in Oakland and it was fun for me to see the excitement of other people preparing for the trail. Mm, yeah. And that helped reignite my my hiking interest. And it's also helped me kind of find a direction in how I can give back to the community. And there's so many amazing people um, that I've met through the board who um, have also helped me just learn a lot more about public land and, you know, getting out there and, and, and helping other people reach their long distance goals. So yeah, it's an amazing experience. And I hope a lot more people will, will come out for the rucks since everybody can't find a, you know, a wilderness basic course, you know, mm-hmm. we're there for you. You got questions. We, we've got great people who've hiked many trails who can answer as many questions as we can. If we can't, well, we'll, we'll help you find the answer. And it's, it's been a great experience for me. Now, what are these rucks? Basically, it's like a day long event. 
And uh, there are, depending on where it is, we have speakers who talk about resupply and nutrition and equipment and gear. And then we have breakaway sessions for people who have brought their packs and we can have shakedowns and go, you know, and help answer those questions. Also break out for different trails um, so we can answer whatever questions you have about, you know, whatever trail you're interested in. Just had the one in Oakland. There's one in Washington, Colorado, and I will be at the one in Idaho in April. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And, and all of this information is, is on the website? Yeah, on the Alda West uh, website, the American Long Distance Hiking Association West. So for you specifically, where can people find you if they have additional questions for you? Um. Well, at wanderingchardonnay.com. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. Simple as that. Yeah, um, leave questions there. Uh, my Instagram, LCW, I take questions there also. Uh, yeah, if anybody wants to reach out, I, I help in any way I can. Um, if I don't know it, uh, I'll help you find it. Yeah, you've got connections. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from just doing the Triple Crown, you now have some connections as the director. I know some people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think, as I've said many times before, I could talk forever, but you know, <laughs> people have lives and they want to get back to them. But yeah, you're, so you are planning your hike for 2020, right? Is that correct? 2020. Oh, yeah. yay. Yay. Get them. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was like, I've been thinking about it for for a while, and I was like, you know, fifty fifty seems like a good year, <laughs> good round year, <laughs> good round year. Yeah, I like it. It's always nice to have more women out there. You know, yeah, definitely. It was funny. I was talking to a friend of mine, and and it literally just hit me last week. I guess when I said to her, you know, with this podcast, I'm basically putting it out there on a weekly basis that I want to do this in 2020, my accountability circle has expanded. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. But you're going to have, you're going to have it down by then, man. You'll have all the tips. I I hope so. But I also hope that, you know, it's funny, like talking to everybody, the, the tips and the strategies and stuff like that are helpful and important. But what's almost more important is hearing your stories from the trail and hearing how much love you have for it when you're retelling those stories, even the bad stories about fracturing your ankle. You know what I mean? Like there's a there's a degree of, we'll call it love, that is involved with that. Oh, yeah. I had a thought and I lost it. Yeah. I've always thought that it's funny when you're out there and things are terrible, like the insects or the, the weather. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, why am I doing this? <laughs> what was I thinking? It's, it's almost like once you get home, all that stuff just goes away. <laughs> yep. And that, that's why you go back again, because you forget about all those bad moments. And it's like, yeah, but I had such a great time doing this one and that and doing this. Yeah, those little those 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 hiccups that come, eh, they're, they're just little little hiccups. Mm-hmm. figure it out and then forget about it <laughs> no matter how bad your feet hurt you'll still want to go back 
But but even with how bad your feet hurt, or I, I know I keep going back to this, but you know, you fracture your ankle and hiking out with it. What that does for you to you mentally is so much bigger than just the fracturing of the ankle. You know, it's, it's those things that are, that are priceless. And it's those things that to me, people hearing them are inspired. Uh, yeah. Well, I, you, don't, you don't sound uh, like you believe it. <laughs> I guess for me, it's always like, for me, it's like, no, that was just my life. And so when people sometimes say I'm inspired by your story, I'm like, that's just me living. <laughs> I mean, I hope that more people live their adventure, whatever that is, more than anything. Uh, just get out there and do it. Live your adventure, whatever that is. And your adventure can be your life. And for me, it's like, this is my life. Um, I'm not special or superhuman or have any great Iron Man skills or anything. I just did it. <laughs> and you can too. <laughs> yeah. You just put one foot in front of the other. Yep. You can do it. You'll pull yourself through one way or the other. And when you're out in the big, the, the big wilderness, you don't have much choice. That's, that's the thing. There's nobody to save you. You, you start mm-hmm. learning to save yourself. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think that's a huge thing for women in general. Oh yeah, definitely. Cause yeah, then you're like, I can, I can, it's amazing how you can say to yourself, I can do anything. But when you actually, you know, do that thing that you didn't think you could do, you're like, wow. <laughs> wow. It wasn't as hard. <laughs> um, awesome. <laughs> yep. So also accept with, along with your triple crown and, and all of the other accommodations, accept uh, the badass bla- badge as well. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'll take that. Perfect. You've earned it. <laughs> I will let you get back to your, your evening. Thank you so, so much. Oh, thank you. I look forward to seeing how this, this comes out. You and me both. <laughs> on, on the big and the small. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, thanks again. Thank you, and and take care, and and uh, I look forward to reading about your adventures on the Camino. Oh, th- oh yeah, well, of course, yes, yes. Oh yeah, well, we'll be on the trail at the same time, so we'll. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'll send you good vibes. <laughs> and back at you. Thanks. Show notes and links for Elsie's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Elsie for sharing her stories from the trails and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. We'd love to hear about your trail adventures as well, so please email me at hikingthroughpodcast at gmail.com or you can also DM me on Instagram at hikingthroughpodcast. We would also love it if you would find us on your favorite podcast provider and leave a review. I'll see you on the trail.